Well, good morning. My name is Clay Baker. I'm the Burlington campus pastor, and it's my privilege to be able to stand in for Pastor Chris this morning. You know, over the last year, probably more than any other period in my life, I have found myself struggling to know what is true. So it started last spring when I and all of us really were on the edge of our seats watching this coronavirus pandemic unfold. And I just wanted to know, how bad was this gonna be? Where was this going from here? And then the questions just mounted as the year went on. What, what can we do to stop this thing, to prevent this thing from spreading? What works? I mean, is it social distancing? Is it the mask? Do those work? Is there gonna be a vaccine? When's that gonna come and is that gonna work? Is any of this ever gonna be over? You see, I just wanted to know what was true and I found that it was a struggle. And then comes November 3rd, 2020. It's a Tuesday, election day. And my struggle to know what was true just continued. You see, as the vote count drug on and on day after day, I just wanted to know who won this darn election. And then as these allegations of voter fraud surfaced, I wanted to know, well, were those true? Was it really voter fraud? And if so, how much was it enough to make a difference? And if so, what do we do about it? What's the process? And I just found it hard to know what was true. And it wasn't for lack of voices. You see, there's no, there's no shortage of voices, as you know, that are making truth claims about all these different things. And they are happy to share these truth claims with you if you'll follow them on social media and subscribe to their podcast and give them that five-star review. That helps them out a lot. And preferably buy the things they're selling, usually vitamins, <laughs> often hair tonic. <laughs> Didn't work for me, Amen. And depending on who you're listening to, often gold. Gold is popular to buy with some of these folks. But there's no shortage of voices making truth claims about these things. And so that's not the problem. The problem is sorting through this dizzying array of claims and just figuring out what's true from what's not. In our story today, in our passage, Daniel chapter 2. You can go ahead and turn your Bibles there now. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 2 this morning. King Nebuchadnezzar wants to know what is true. You see, he has a dream, and he's so troubled by this dream, he so desperately wants to know whether or what the truth of this dream is, that he doesn't follow normal protocol. He gathers his, his team of dream interpreters, but he doesn't even tell them the dream. No, 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 he wants them to prove the truthfulness of their interpretation by not only giving them an interpretation, but by giving them the dream, giving him the dream itself. And that's obviously a problem for them, as we're gonna see. And Daniel gets swept up in this, this becomes a problem for Daniel. But we're gonna see in Daniel chapter two, we're gonna see how God shows up and he works in this situation. He works for the good of Daniel, the good of his people, he works for his own glory. And we're gonna learn some things about truth along the way. We're gonna learn that truth does not come from man. Truth comes from God. And the kind of truth that God reveals to us isn't necessarily gonna answer every single question we might have, everything we want an answer to. 
but it's the kind of truth we desperately need because it's the truth that saves. Amen. God's truth is truth that saves. So let's begin our story in Daniel chapter two, verse one. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. Just a side note on the Chaldeans, by the way, that's a group of people within the Babylonian empire, and they were known for their astrology. So when you read Chaldeans in this chapter, which we're going to see a lot, just think astrologers. Okay, that's them. All right, back to our story. So they came in and they stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream. And my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will show the interpretation. You see, that was the usual way of doing things, but not this time. Verse five, the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb and your houses shall be laid in ruins. Yikes, he means business. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. And this time they're quaking. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream. And we will show its interpretation. The king answered and said, I know with certainty that you are trying to gain time because you see that the word from me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall shall know that you can show me its interpretation. The Chaldeans, they're up in arms at this point. They answered the king and said, there's not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that this king asks is difficult and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with the flesh. They can't do it. And this admission by the Chaldeans in verses 10 and 11, it's critical to our story. You see, they admit that no man can do what the king is asking. They think only the gods could do that, but they think the gods don't live among them. They don't have access to this truth. They admit that they don't have the truth. And what God's showing us here in this part of our story is that truth does not come from man. Truth does not come from man. You know, there are a lot of people that make a lot of truth claims about a lot of different things. Not just the stuff I mentioned, a lot of different things. Even the most important things of life, the most important questions we could have, like where did I come from? What is my purpose in this life? What happens after I die? And there's lots of people that make lots of truth claims about those things, the biggest things we could be asking. But if they don't have God... They don't have the truth. Truth does not come from man. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, the apostle Paul writes, the natural person, this is the person without God, the natural person 
does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You see, you can't understand spiritual truths apart from the Spirit of God. It's as simple as that. And so anyone who makes truth claims about spiritual matters without the Spirit of God living in them through faith in Jesus Christ cannot be trusted. If you don't have the Spirit of God, you don't have the truth. Now, I wanna pause here and I wanna speak to you about a particular um, set of truth claims that I've heard more and more recently. You see, there's predictions that I've heard, some of them spiritual in nature, some of them not, about what's gonna happen to our country in the weeks and months ahead, even beginning this week. And these predictions, some of them coming from spiritual type people, people claiming uh, prophet status or a special revelation from the Lord, and some of them not, some of them claiming insider information into the, the workings of government and powerful people. But these kinds of predictions are of a political nature and an economic nature and even a spiritual nature. And they're getting more and more intense. And they're getting more and more specific, even about the timing of these things. Now, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, good for you. Good for you. You are probably better off. But if you do... If you do know what I'm talking about, and if you're influenced by some of these voices, I'm not gonna tell you now that it's not true, but what I am gonna do is I'm gonna ask you now to pre-decide that if these things that are being predicted do not come to pass in the weeks and months ahead, that you will acknowledge that these folks don't actually have the truth they claim to have and you will stop listening to them. You know, last week, Pastor Chris talked about Daniel pre-deciding to stand. I'm asking you to pre-decide now, resolve now, that if the things you're hearing do not come to pass in the weeks and months ahead, that you will stop listening to these voices. Now, church, I'm not above you in this. I'm not. I uh, reflected back on my recent life as I prepared for this sermon, it's been over 10 years now, praise God, but about 10 or so years ago, I was deep in this stuff. Like deep, like, like this conspiracy theory, prophetic type stuff. I, I was listening to like five or six different guys regularly. I was losing sleep at night because I thought things were happening and like imminently gonna happen. You know what happened? Nothing at least not the kinds of things they were saying were gonna happen. And some of these guys are still on the scene. You see, they're slippery. They take bits of truth here and there. They pull from the headlines and they put their stamp on it and what comes out the other end isn't true. And they shift. Okay, this didn't get really fulfilled, but I didn't really get nailed down on that. I'm gonna go over here now. And I just, the reason why I'm bringing this to you now is because I've heard, I've seen these things come up again some new voices on the scene, some old ones, and they're getting more and more specific, and I think this is just a perfect time for us to hold them accountable. Pre-decide now that if it doesn't come to pass, you're gonna stop listening to them. All right, enough of that digression. It's a little uh, inauguration week bonus for you. 
Truth does not come from man. Truth comes from God. Truth comes from God. So we've seen in our story, uh, the dream team of dream interpreters, the best and brightest that Babylon has to offer, they admit that they cannot meet their king's demand. They can't tell him his dream. They can't. So let's pick up in verse 12. Because of this, the king was angry and very furious and commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Remember, Daniel and his friends were uh, Jewish exiles brought to Babylon in captivity, but trained in Babylonian ways to serve the Babylonian king. And so they're part of these wise men that are under this death decree. Verse 14. But Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decrease of the king so urgent? In other words, like, whoa, whoa, whoa here. Why so fast to kill me? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Now, Daniel doesn't know the dream yet. And he doesn't know the interpretation. But he knows that he serves the true God. And the true God has the truth. And if the true God would be merciful to Daniel, the true God can reveal the truth to Daniel. And that's exactly what happens. Let's pick up in verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Those are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. His companions. And told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belongs wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you for you have made known to us the king's matter. God chose the dream and the interpretation to Daniel and Daniel responds by praising God. You see, the Chaldeans, they thought that the gods didn't live among them. They didn't have access to this truth. But the true God, the true God is present. Daniel knows the true God and the true God is happy, pleased to reveal his hidden things to his children. And of course, Daniel responds as we only could when the truth of God is revealed to us. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. Amen? Amen. You know, I thought about this and how how truth doesn't come from man, but comes from God. And I was just reminded, I guess. It's not that this is a new thought to me, but I was reminded 
that I, I think probably we, we give a lot of our time and attention to things that aren't really true. I'm not talking like that they're wrong. I'm not talking the conspiracy theory stuff I was talking about earlier. I'm talking about really anything. If you think about it, a lot of what we listen to, watch, follow, thumb through our news feeds to like look at, a lot of it's just hot takes, opinions, just stuff about stuff that has no eternal worth. Now, I'm not saying you can't be interested in things outside of Christianity. Go Hawks. I'm not saying you can't learn things from non-Christians. I'm not saying you only have to focus on Christian things for the rest of your life. I just was reminded as I studied Daniel chapter 2 this week that I probably need to just take stock of the amount of time I spend giving my thought, my attention to things that they're just worldly. They're not of eternal value. I'm the chief of sinners. I know firsthand how much information is out there to be consumed and how much entertainment there is out there to enjoy. I get it. I get it. But I've just convinced for myself, and I imagine a lot of you are with me, that I should spend less time pouring over this information and consuming this entertainment and more time mining the riches, the depths of God's truth revealed to us in his word. Is anyone with me on that? Amen. Now, God's word, it's not gonna answer every single question we might have about things in this life. And it may not be as entertaining as some of the things we might pursue or consume out there. But God's word gives us the truth that we so desperately need because God's truth is truth that saves. God's truth is truth that saves. Daniel needed to know the king's dream because if he didn't, he was gonna die. I mean, it was as simple as that. God revealed to Daniel, not only the dream and not only the interpretation, as we're gonna see, but in doing so, he revealed to him and he revealed to God's people of all time, including us, a message of hope and salvation. The dream, the interpretation contain hope and salvation even for us. So let's discover together what that is. Verse 24 Daniel goes to the captain of the king's guard. He tells him, wait, 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 don't kill the wise men. Take me before the king, because he's got the dream now. He's got the interpretation. And then Daniel goes before the king. The king asks him if he can tell him his dream and its interpretation. And Daniel doesn't say, why, yes, I can. He doesn't take any of the credit for himself. He gives all the glory to God, because truth comes from God, not from man. So Daniel gives the glory to God. In verses 27 and 28, he says, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. 
And then in verse 31, jumping down to 31, Daniel tells the dream. So here's the dream, verse 31. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you. And its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them to pieces. And then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So that's the dream. Image, head of gold, chest and arms of silver, middle and thighs of bronze, legs of iron, feet of iron and clay, stone cut from no human hand, strikes the feet, crushes the image, image gone, stone remains, becomes a great mountain. You wanna know what it means? You wanna know what it means? Good, well, as my law professors used to tell me, read on, young man, read on. So we're gonna read on. Verse 37, this is the interpretation. Verse 37. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hands he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all, you are the head of gold. So Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon is the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you. It's the chest and the arms of silver. And yet a third kingdom of bronze, the middle of the thighs, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, that's the legs, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage. But they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And here's where it gets good. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation sure. And how does Nebuchadnezzar respond? He falls on his face. He pays homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered to him. 
The king answered and said to Daniel, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts, made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his buddies, over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. Wow. Wow. What a story. What a story. No one has the dream except the king. But God gives the dream to Daniel. He gives the interpretation to Daniel. And then Daniel and all of his friends and all the wise men of Babylon are saved And then Daniel's promoted, he's given honors, he's given gifts, his buddies get promoted. And even pagan king Nebuchadnezzar himself, old King Nebi, gives praise and glory to the true God. He gives praise and glory to the true God. Now, a lot could be said about this dream. And a lot has been said about this dream, especially in trying to identify these kingdoms that come after Babylon. See, we know the head of gold is Babylon, but there's these kingdoms that follow, and a lot of people have spilled a lot of ink over who those kingdoms are. Now, the traditional answer is that the chest and arms are the Medo-Persian Empire, and the middle and thighs are the Greek Empire under Alexander the Great, and the legs of iron is the Roman Empire, but it's not settled. We don't know. And the feet that are iron and clay, that's even more uncertain, even more debated. But that's not the important part of the dream. You see, the important part of the dream is that no matter what these other kingdoms are, God sets up his kingdom and his kingdom shatters to pieces all the other kingdoms and God's kingdom stands forever. So God's telling Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar and us, That even though there will be powerful kingdoms that rule over the earth and oppress God's people, just like Babylon and Persia and Greece and Rome, there will be these kingdoms that oppress God's people. One day, they will all be done away with. And God has the final victory. You know, today we have the benefit of the New Testament. So Daniel didn't have the New Testament, but we do. We have the full picture. And so when we're asking, we want to know, what's this stone all about that crushes the kingdoms? We can see in Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 16, he's talking with his disciple, Simon Peter. And Simon Peter says to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, truth revealed from God. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So here again, we have God who has the truth, revealing the truth to man. And the truth is that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is our Savior. And he is the rock. 
He is the stone. He is the foundation of the church that he is building and even hell itself cannot stand against it. That same disciple, Peter, he would go on to write a letter also in our New Testament, 1 Peter. And in chapter two of 1 Peter, he identifies this stone, this stone, and it's Jesus. Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected. Jesus is the stone that has become the cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Jesus, the Son of God, formed by no human hand, humbled himself, became a man, was born a man, rejected by man, crucified by man, to die in the place of man to pay the penalty for the sins of man. Jesus is the stone. Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again on the third day. And then he ascended to heaven where he is today ruling and reigning from his heavenly throne over his kingdom, which he rules through his spirit who lives in us who believe in him. And for those of us who believe in him, in Jesus, we know that one day King Jesus will return and he will put all the other kingdoms to an end and he will fully, completely establish his kingdom and he will live and reign with his people forever. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth that saves. And it's good news. Whoever believes in Jesus will not be put to shame. If you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, if you haven't made him the king of your life, I urge you to do so today. You see, before you receive Christ in faith, you're in a kingdom. You are under a kingdom of oppression. You are in bondage to sin and to death. You're in the domain of darkness, as it says in Colossians chapter one. But the moment, the moment that God's truth is revealed to you and you can see Jesus for who he is and what he's done for you and you place your faith in him, at that moment, God transfers you from that domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. And in that kingdom, there is not bondage, there is not oppression, there is redemption. There is the forgiveness of of sins. When you're in God's kingdom, when you're in the kingdom of the Son through faith in Jesus, you're forgiven, you're redeemed, you're made right with God. The Spirit of God Himself, the Spirit of truth, comes to live in you, and it makes you, He makes you alive in Christ. And you are one of God's children, and you are in God's kingdom, and you can expect to live and reign with Jesus forever. If you haven't placed your faith in Christ, do so today. For those of us who are in the kingdom of the beloved son, 
Praise God, amen? Praise God, because at one time, our minds and our hearts were darkened. We did not have understanding, but the light of God shone through to us. And we saw the truth. And he enabled us to even respond to this truth in repentance and faith to believe in him and to be transferred into his kingdom. Praise God. Praise God. And those of us who are his children and who know his truth, we know that King Jesus will have the final victory. You see, we are living in uncertain times. We don't know everything. We don't know what will happen tomorrow or next week or the week after. We are limited in our understanding. We actually can expect to face trials. Chris mentioned it last week. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. It may be political trouble. It may be economic trouble. It may be spiritual trouble, like persecution. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. We're not to take up arms. Did Jesus say to take up arms? He said to take heart, because he has overcome the world. He said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Brothers and sisters, we don't know what's coming tomorrow. We don't know what's coming next week. We don't know what's coming next month, but we know the truth. And that truth is all that we need to stand. We can stand firm in our faith. We can stand firm on the rock of our salvation, even in the face of death. Because we know that one day, King Jesus, our King, is coming back. He will have the final victory and whoever believes in him will never be put to shame. That's the truth. Let's pray.